Hey, everybody. Welcome back. How's everybody doing? Good, man. Doing good. Awesome. Uh, well, let's go around and see who we have on this week's podcast. Uh, Trevor Reese. Chris Fimbres. Renee Michelle Aranda. And I am your moderator, Noah Kinsey. All right. So have we seen any movies or TV shows lately Ant-Man. since last we talked? Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Talk about it. We talked about a little bit. Well, a lot bit last week, but <laughs> Always bring it on. About it again. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, it was so good. I missed you guys, by the way, last two episodes. Missed you too. Uh, but yeah, Ant-Man was so good. Oh, and I, I saw, as soon as I saw that trailer, because I was worried when they said they were going to do it, I was thinking, how are they going to pull this off and make it relatable and modern and exciting for today's audience and then i saw that trailer and that little train bit oh i love that oh god i was like oh this is gonna know exactly what it is it's Mm. gonna know how to approach this paul rudd is amazing and i don't think they could have found a better a better cast yeah so it was so good so fun i it just i love having a good laugh and i felt like everybody knew what they wanted from it Mm -hmm. yeah wasn't the pacing pretty much spot on it was pretty great great and you also saw southpaw yeah, kind of wish Didn't I didn't love it as much as Ant Man, huh? <laughs> no, yeah, I was hoping it was going to be you know super motivational and exciting. Like you know, remember the Titans is just an amazing, mm-hmm. beautiful movie, and mm-hmm. I'm not huge into sports. Uh, I love playing them, but I'm not like a gung ho right. fan or anything. But I do kind of like seeing those inspirational, kind of change your life, get it together kind of movie. Uh, and I love Jake Gyllenhaal, Rachel McAdams, but there was just something really weird about the pacing <laughs> and the and the cinematography. It just felt like they didn't. Um, it was it was so melodramatic. I don't know. It was just it was almost like uh, they took eight different stories about something that had happened to a bunch of people that was awful, and then tried to make it believable that it all happened to one person. And sometimes that does. Sometimes someone just has a shitty you know, a hand dealt to them, but it just the way they approached it, it wasn't, you know, sometimes stuff blows up, but it was like, okay, and then this happened, and then this happened, mm-hmm. and then this happened, and then this happened, and then you're looking at your watch like, this has been going on for an hour now, <laughs> oh, and you want me man. to believe that this, <laughs> that this is still happening. And then the recovery period was just so short and half-assed, and there was a little heart to mm-hmm. it, and you can see the director, uh, the, the actors were kind of having to try to pull most of the weight, and they didn't really have anyone painting that bigger picture it was Damn. just oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to hear it i was looking forward to it because it looks good and i'm a fan of jake Joan hall it's written by kurt sutter from sons of anarchy mm-hmm. so i was really looking forward to it but it kind of bumps me a little bit i heard eminem was supposed to yeah he wrote it initially it. for eminem i can see i feel like it would have been a little more appropriate for eminem to play not that jake didn't do an amazing job but i can see what like with eighth mile and mm-hmm. that's kind of eminem's style about through all the hardship and all that dark, gritty, you know, perseverance kind of thing, I I think with him and maybe if they had gone a little bit, uh, kind of what what uh, Ant Man did, where they were so decided that that was their style, I felt like Southpaw didn't really have a decided direction. Yeah, and if they had done that, then it it would have been different. Yeah, I almost wonder hearing about Jake's um, physical training for it. I almost wonder if Eminem's like, wait, you want me to get up at what time and do what? Nah. <laughs> I'll just do the I'll song just... for it instead. <laughs> so, all right, Chris? Uh, I just finished uh, binge watching Bojack Horseman season two. How was it? Great. It was renewed for a third season. It so was. I was, um, I was super excited because the first season was good. Um, and so I was excited when the second season came out. And it wasn't kind of like repeating the highlights of, of the first season and kind of just continued the story of mm-hmm. it. Um, super funny, real dark, and, and it was awesome. I, I enjoyed watching every single episode. Very cool. 
Trevor? Um, I have not watched like anything. <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> I watched Son this movie. Um, no, uh, I just did, uh, did get an iTunes gift card from my mom. And so I'm looking for something. I'm looking for a good movie. Um, I did buy, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm uh, currently actually downloading it. Uh, this short animated uh, feature, or it's not a feature, it's a short. Um, it's called The Dam Keeper. It was up for the Academy Award last year. Um, it looks beautiful. Like that's what really what uh, kind of caught my eye. It's like this. Um, it looks very much like it's a um, like watercolors. I guess it's not. Oh, it's not watercolors, but that's yeah. right now kind of the best approximation because I haven't really had a chance to really dive into it. Um, but yeah, it looks super cool. It's about this uh, like pig who um, runs uh, a dam for, and I, I think it's European. And so he like um, helps like run this dam um, and kind of like watches over his little town um, is my basic understanding of it. Again, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm excited too. Um, but yeah, I haven't watched anything else besides that. I caught some BoJack Horseman. It's super funny. Mm. Um, yeah, I agree. It's definitely like dark. And they don't let up from that. No, no, no. It just gets <laughs> continually more dark throughout the season, which is amazing. Yeah, but other than that, I haven't really uh, seen much. So. Might I recommend Lawrence of Arabia? To <laughs> <you>? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> oh, man. I'm good. I saw That's all what you that recommend movie. to someone that you're mad at. I'm sad that I didn't get to say anything about that on the. Have you seen it before? No, I was. I just watched it for the um, oh. for the the episode, and then I couldn't make the podcast, and I was so upset with well, you. Guys what did I had to watch that movie for no reason. <laughs> it took me. No lie, six, maybe seven. I don't remember, but yeah. it was about six times to sit to down finish and try it. to finish that movie. Yeah, I was four or five. <laughs> it's just the worst, right? It's so bad. Oh my god! <laughs> and uh, you weren't here last week, but basically, I told him that I, I didn't find this part funny. But um, my my Blu-ray player has a thing for DVDs where, like, if you press, if you turn it off, but press play, like, it'll jump to your spot. Mm-hmm. Well. Two times I would come home, like I wasn't paying attention to like the time thing on there. Two times I would come home and the DVD was out of the the player, which means it like resets it um, because of my roommate. So when I tried twice, I had to try and figure out where I left off. But since every scene looks the same, I probably wasted like 20 minutes combined getting to that spot because everything looks the same and the conversations are about the same. I had the same thing when I was having to rewatch it. I would like fast forward and thinking, okay, no, this is where I left off. And they're like, oh, crap. But I remember this part. Yep. Oh fuck! No, That's I do exactly remember this conversation. Dang it! And I, and then I, because yeah, everything looks the same. <laughs> so sorry about that. <laughs> but that was pretty much the consensus of. We read off a few, like a couple of our friends had seen it and loved it. So we kind of read off what they said about it, um, in positive and. None of us really saw it that way <laughs> whatsoever. I'll what were the positive later, views? So. Like what were what were people? Like saying, uh, they were just saying that it was an epic story about someone who, like a uh, a narcissist, who you know was kind of like doing important things, but then biting off more than you can chew. I don't remember what else did they say, Chris. I mean, basically, just that uh, it was super that was epic. Kind of a and cool super... notion. I did like that he he had really selfish reasons for doing what he did, but still managed to you know change you know, the way things were going. So I thought that was cool, but it's just so hard, unless it's an anti-hero story, to really root for somebody who's just so weird. And mm-hmm. Yeah, hello, Gone so with the Wind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was so hard to yeah. care. And Amy knew a lot about the real man that it's based off of. Um, she knew the history of that, and uh, 
So he sounded way more interesting than the movie was. Like, she explained basically <laughs> mm-hmm. what he did during the time that the movie took place. Mm-hmm. Like basically what was what should have been the plot of the movie. Yeah. I'm like, man, I want to see that movie. Wait, this movie I did not see. You have to keep in mind, if somebody has a movie based on their life, they have to be at least, whether or not the movie is interesting, the person themselves yeah. had to have been interesting enough to warrant like movie executive reading a script and go, yes, this, this right here. And so, yeah, I, I can imagine he's much more interesting than the movie would portray. Yeah, it was the worst. So I apologize for that. <laughs> um, the movie that I saw, not since last time, but I didn't bring it up last time, is Ex Machina. Ooh, oh, we, good. it's a good that? one. It is really good. No, no. Oh my gosh, it's, it's good. It's good. I'm, I wasn't a huge fan of how they resolved it. I guess. Yeah, the way it ended, you're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, okay. I wasn't really down for that, but everything leading up to it, I thought was pretty great. There are certain twists where I kind of figured it out, but. I like the way it ended. Do you? Yeah, because he kind of called it out when they're having that conversation. Yeah. And they're oh, he, he did. He yeah. did. I, I just, so I, I don't know. But yeah, dude still didn't believe it. And that was kind of his yeah. conflict of yeah. having to like, hey, this is AI. You know, it's yeah. not a real person, even though he was getting all his feelings in for right. it. Beautifully shot movie. Oh, yeah, beautifully gorgeous. shot movie. It took, yeah. for me, it took a little while to get into it. The pacing at the beginning was kind of sluggish, but then it kind of picks up. It's funny though, in the description on the back of the um like the Blu-ray or whatever it says, you know, this heart-stopping thriller. And I'm like, it's no, not really like a that. thriller whatsoever. It's more of just a sci-fi, almost psychological story, it but it's of, not a thriller at no. all. kind of reminded me of a Social Network's kind of yeah. like ambient kind of, you're really intrigued, I guess is the word yeah. I'm thinking of, the way that they put that together. Yeah, and Oscar Isaac was amazing in it. He was Dude gets chops. Pretty excellent. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, let's. Um, once again, we're not going to do too much movie news on this one, but I do want to bring up a couple things. Um, so, Pixels underperformed in the box office, which I, I mean, looking around, I don't think any of us are shocked by this. It got slaughtered. Oh, it got oh destroyed. My God. It, it got, also felt like one of those, like, because I mean, Adam Sandler has had crappy movies sure. in the past, but this sort of felt like the one everybody sort of said, like, this is the one we're going to say no to. <laughs> like, this is the time yeah. we're going to say, you know what, Adam Sandler, kind of, we're calling you on your crap. This isn't, like, this isn't going to fly. But I kind of feel like this failed. I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, this is it for Sandler. And it's like, well, no, because Little no, Nicky obviously failed. Not. And, I mean, obviously that was <laughs> Little a Nicky, long... that's your... Well, I'm <laughs> just saying your, that majorly tanked. So, like, I like he's... Little Nicky. Yeah, I like it too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking reviews. I'm saying financially it tanked. Mm. Um, but, honestly, whatever, like, I mean, his humor is his humor, and it works for Happy Madison. It's kind of like what works for them internationally as well. But I feel like this one wasn't so much a failure for him as much as it was like the subject matter, because who is this, you know, it's a PG 13 movie. Who is this, uh, marketed for not for kids? Cause kids probably don't even know about centipede. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, I don't know. Like, I just think it was one of those where it's like, they know about the human centipede. Just they, <laughs> <laughs> they do. And that was a really weird ending to the movie where that's how they defeated them with Sandler and Josh Gad. Just, <laughs> You know, fighting fire with fire in the middle. (laughs) Fighting fire with fire, centipede versus a human centipede, and every spoiler (laughs) alert. Sorry, but but no, I feel like that this failure was more of just 
you know, who is this marketed for? Because, mm-hmm. well, like, adult, older adult men well, that's aren't why I got kind of mad at it when I saw the, the trailer. I was thinking, oh, cause I'm such a, a nerd and I love video games and I grew up on that. And then I saw the way that they were playing the storyline and the characters and it felt so... It kind of felt not like it was insulting those of us that genuinely cared about those games, but I just felt like it wasn't at all, like you said, it wasn't catered to us no. mm-hmm. at all. Because at least with like Wreck-It Ralph, fair. Wreck-It Ralph had a lot of those characters that you that remember yeah amazing. but i mean it, you know it had all like yeah. the recognized oh shit that's a bad guy from sonic oh you know well all also they're not the bad guys in that in record right like that's the right. other thing is these um all the um like nostalgia of it they're coming back as the enemy mm-hmm. they're coming back as something they have to fight like even pac-man mm-hmm. um and like so i think that has to be a thing but also like I think really the the Chris Columbus factor of it. Yeah, how like, did that happen? Yeah, I think it's just a matter <laughs> of the director and the star being the two like powerful like people uh, like pushing this yeah. film forward, and neither of them can do their exact thing. Like obviously no. with Christopher Columbus, Adam Sandler can't really do his stuff, and I don't think he's the kind of leading actor that Christopher Columbus ever really uh, Christopher Columbus, uh, Chris Columbus uh, ever goes with. Um, and so, yeah, I think that right there just it's a such a mishmash of tones and wildly different tones too yeah. that really it all it has to trade in is the nostalgia of and, it. And even with Adam Sandler's normal audience, they don't they're not used to sci-fi type elements like this, like the special effects laden stuff. That's not his audience. It's kind of like with funny people. You can't. I mean, it was greenlit because Judd Apatow was on you know on a roll, but. Who is, you know, it just, it was set up to fail because it's not your typical like, Apatow movie. It's not your yeah. typical Sandler movie. No, that movie like, was just too goddamn long. Oh, it was way yeah. too long. <laughs> That's the matter of it. It was like, but even the first way weekend, too like, long. Yeah. That, yeah, that movie should have had a half an hour cut from it. Oh, easily. What were you going to say? Uh, oh, I, the seeing the pixels thing, it just, it kind of felt like they had taken the cast of Jackass and then decided to give them a couple million dollars to make like a big budgeted feature. Uh-huh. That's kind of what it looked like to me. So Yeah, and with the cast, like that's, Adam Sandler's the only person who really fits that tone. Like mm-hmm. Gad is like his sort of persona as like a TV and film actor is like the, <laughs> but yeah. like he's a classically trained like Broadway actor. And then, um, and also with Peter Dinklage, like he's not a jackass guy. Yeah, no, All the trailers were him just going, yeah, yep. Yep. like just doing that. Like, like people don't, <laughs> like people want to see like the funny thing about Peter Dinklage in a role like that is people want to see the eloquence that he's known for and the fact that he is a very well-spoken, always that's put a together great point, he is actor. one of my favorite actors in Game of Thrones. He just Yeah, and him. that's what people love about him. Yeah. He's so eloquent. Uh-huh. Because and so he's the, not a jackass. You know, like, yeah, not and those, it seems yeah. they didn't understand that because there's a way to have like a super eloquent, like uh, Leslie like, Nielsen. Or just, no, even like Melissa McCarthy in Bridesmaids. Mm. Like make <laughs> him that character because she was a very put-together person and she's the person who ends up like getting uh Kristen Wiig like off her ass and like mm-hmm. motivating her character like that's what they should use Peter Dinklage for yeah. not like mm-hmm. oh look at him man he's got a mullet fucking awesome yeah. like yeah, <laughs> yeah it would have been funny. hilarious yeah it just everything about that movie just seemed yeah it, i just off. felt like it was set up to fail i mean i'm not adam sandler the happy madison stuff uh, it's not really my cup of tea but i mean this just i feel like even for their audience it kind of 
I don't think that would really bring out his normal audience. You know what's weird is I actually like Adam Sandler when he's not trying to be funny. Oh, I think everybody like does. In, he's like a phenomenal actor. I loved him in that. And I, I Brain think Over he's, Me, he's Punch got Drunk some, Love. some skill, and I don't know why. I feel like he's really trying to force this co- comedian. Oh, that's the, it's cash cow. It's that's the Jim Carrey thing funny. of it all. Like... I think the both. I mean, Jim Carrey definitely wants to be more of a dramatic actor than Adam Sandler, but it's just like for whatever reason they cannot let go of like their initial style. Well, it's because there's a higher paycheck involved with the stupid mm-hmm. stuff. I guess, That's yeah, but I mean, it's why. also like Jim Carrey. What what does he need? Still need those huge paycheck stuff right. for? Like he's entered like this transcendent right sort of point in his career. Well, Jim, yeah, that's. But also, I mean, he's like, yeah, but like he just did Dumb and Dumber. Two, mm. a train wreck. But like with with Adam Sandler, I mean, he's he's totally responsible for keeping his production company afloat, and he knows he's the money maker. So mm. he's going to do the type of humor that's always in his stuff. But then when you combine it with like a heavy special effects thing, it's just it's just not going to work. It's really not. And he's really great at getting these prestigious actors to mm-hmm. do yeah. stuff that they really shouldn't, like yeah. Al Pacino in Jack and Jill. I mean, he's well, really. He just—he seems like such a nice, fun guy to yeah. work with. Like that's oh, the thing yeah. about it. It's like he, he sort of passes. The whole company is known for being just like pretty chill, great dudes. Mm. Yeah, I mean the Sony hack sort of revealed that's not exactly true, right. but I mean, yeah, like that's the thing about it. But it just seems like all the work he puts out is just so so like lowest common denominator. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just a matter of like we're just gonna do the dick and ball jokes and not go any farther than that. And yeah, I, I don't know. Like I almost think it's too late for it now, but they almost should should have done kind of what South Park and Simpsons did, where they they have their car, core audience and they know what their core audience likes and are into. They probably it would have been smart to mature their humor along with their yeah. audience maturing. I agree so they probably that. could have kept that same audience coming to the theater because mm-hmm. you're not doing the same stuff for the same age group. You're doing it for the people that made you the money initially. And yeah, that's kind how of, TV shows work. They start yeah. off kind of shallow. You get everybody interested, and then the characters grow, and relationships mm-hmm. develop, and then your audience is so and it matures. In it and, all and matures. Mature way. I think yeah. it's. Yeah, I think that would have been. And also, I'd love to see. I mean, we we're just talking about Adam Sandler, like how he, how he's a very good dramatic actor. Mm-hmm. I'd love to because you mentioned South Park and you mentioned Simpsons, and the two things that they st- that they did that Sandler hasn't done is they had like within the context of their shows, very serious, yeah. very heartfelt episodes. Like sure. even South Park. Has they, lessons being learned every yeah, single episode. Every episode. Even like they had the one a couple seasons ago where it was like, people were like worried, like, is this like a, a series finale? Is oh, this like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like, everything was shit. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, uh, Stan's parents were going to get, get divorced. Like, divorced and everything. And yeah. it was like, I remember watching like, this is like legit, like sad. Like they treated it seriously. <laughs> yeah. And I'd want to see like Sandler try that. Yeah. I'd want to, cause he's done, he's shown he can do it with like Punch Drunk Love and all those. But to see him do a serious thing or like just something more heartfelt with his people, with yeah. the Happy Madison, yeah. able to, I mean, even something like The Wedding Singer. Yeah, I said that was uh, Wedding The yeah, Wedding yeah, Singer. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. something like that felt like. I don't know if that was like foot in both worlds or I don't know, but I'd like to see something that's way more in Sandler's voice and the Happy Madison mm-hmm. voice, but is much more heartfelt. And yeah, because like, I feel like that with, with uh, Wedding Singer and also Big Daddy, I felt like mm-hmm. was their typical humor, but it was a more mature subject matter and 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. Also, just one final thing. I had to double check this because I haven't seen. We, no, I don't have any of us seen Pixels. No. Yeah. No. Um, I'm, I'm on the uh, Wikipedia page. I think another reason for its failure is there doesn't seem to be a Steve Buscemi cameo. <laughs> um, well, no like, wonder. We have Kevin Adam. James. Okay. We have all those, and there's no Steve Buscemi. No scams. All, all the all the really good. What about a What about a Rob Schneider? Is there a Rob Schneider? Rob I don't, Schneider. I don't see it. I don't see it. Oh, well, then this movie was doomed from the beginning. But I see a Matt Frewer as Max Headroom uh, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> cameo. Um, yeah, no, no Buscemi, um, nothing. My favorite outrage over this movie <laughs> is like the people who were like super pissed because, like, you know what? You know the guy, the 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 guy that they say is like the creator of Pac Man. That's not the real creator of Pac Man. I'm like, this is what that's, you're mad about? about what they were Are you kidding me? It's not true to its source material, okay? <laughs> I'm like, that's nitpicky. I mean, come on. Well, that's what I meant about they're not catering to gamers. You have to be really careful yeah, if you decide true. to put your poster as Pac-Man. True. The, that's their movie poster is Pac-Man eating the city. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to get something as simple as what's the origin of Pac-Man, but it's also, I can see why. It's also a world upset. where... People go to Marvel movies on a like one percent for the Stanley cameo. Like people like love to oh, see sure. the actual creator. I always look there. forward. To I blush every words. time I see a Stanley cameo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Stan, uh, it's Stan the man. Uh, well, we talked about this on my podcast. How the, the best Stanley cameo is going to be in Deadpool. Mm-hmm. They haven't released like you can see it in the grainy Comic Con trailer that got leaked, and I'm very much looking. For, for it. it should be coming out soon. The the Hopefully. actual Deadpool trailer. Oh yeah. Well, they said they said uh, Ryan Reynolds when everything leaked. He said like because Warner Brothers just released everything yeah. when they leaked, and he oh, said they want to stand out. Well, no, Deadpool. He said Deadpool. They just have some VFX stuff mm. that they wanted to fix. Okay. And he said like about three weeks. Like, oh wow. He said okay. look look in the future about three weeks. So he's like. You know, like, don't worry. We're, we still- I love how involved he is with this. Yeah. I just that it just makes me more excited for a project well, when someone's I, super passionate about I it. I feel like they have him to thank for a lot of it getting picked up everything. again. Because yeah. after that whole thing kind of leaked, where th- people were thinking, oh, he's going to be a part of this. Then all of a sudden, everybody started caring about mm-hmm. Deadpool. And then I feel like after that came out, then all of a sudden the traction came back and yeah. then they had it back on And track even and during the couple of years when it, there, was, it, there was no talk of the movie coming out like he wouldn't would always bring it up in interviews mm-hmm. yeah. and i think that that's great like he kept that going because mm-hmm. it was really important to I him, think, so yeah, yeah, he that's proved that people care about it speaking yeah. of fox owned marvel comic book characters we just learned recently i was told by these people is that day um, of day of recording <laughs> channing tatum was walked away from the gambit Spinoff. Mm-hmm. How are we feeling about that, guys? Well, first of all, at this point, it's unconfirmed. Right, right. It is. Got to make sure that's there. Yeah. Journalistically, journalistic <laughs> integrity for a show that we're not journalists. But I've seen it in like three articles, so you know it's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, even Forbes magazine had an article saying, or online article saying, you know. If if Channing drops out, then they should just get rid of the Gambit movie. I have well, I, nothing against the man. I, I hear he's got very good business sense, but I just personally, as a comic book fan, think he's so wrong for that role. Mm-hmm. And I am so happy if it is true that they recast it because I just, um, yeah. Well, it was, a, I think, from what I'm reading, like it was like a passion project of his. Mm-hmm. Like this was yeah, like he him. lobbied for that. 
Yeah. That's probably why this movie was going to get made in the first place. Yeah, so that's why I kind of agree that like if he drops out, like probably they shouldn't because it doesn't seem like they really had any sort of passion to do it before really until Channing Tatum kind of threw his weight behind it. So I think, yeah, like that's, it probably will sort of fall because Channing Tatum seemed to be the only draw on everyone's end, like for the uh, the audience, like that was going to draw in a bigger mm. audience and then it seemed to be the thing really exciting the executives. So, but yeah, and he's also like a producer on it too. Yeah. So whether or not he stays on is that, um, but yeah, it's so weird because he, um, he like just went to Comic-Con. Like that's what everyone else is kind of pointing yeah. out. He was like, just hanging out at Comic Con, and there was the whole like little Stan bringing Stan Lee back into it. I mean, it's like his whole moment when he helped tactic. All this stuff is probably a negotiating tactic. But I mean, the deal's done. So negotiating for what? Like you a, mean he's a already better signed. deal? Well, he walked away. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it I could know. be a lot of it's, things. It's such a messy thing when actors start producing. I think it's great for for actors to take more control. And of course, as an actor, you can't we can't change the way we look or right. without plastic surgery. So it's great to be able to create your own opportunity to play these characters that you want to play Mm -hmm. and that's awesome but then there's also you know kind of just what audience are you going for and all that stuff and how many people are going to be pissed if you do this or not like like blackface and all that stuff that's not okay but it's okay to cast you know one latino for a colombian even if you're mexican you know there's so like where's the line between Mm -hmm. when it's okay for an actor to play something or not when they're right for it or wrong or Mm -hmm. can you make them right for it just to clarify, because there's a lot of pieces in that argument, you are you or are you not arguing the casting of Channing Tatum is equivalent to blackface? I'm saying <laughs> that I I applaud yes. him for yes. producing, and if I think he we're all has the it. role, <laughs> if he has the role, uh, he's not from Louisiana. <laughs> I think it's great that he provided his own path to get there. Yeah, but I also think that there is. Uh, just trying to be fair to storytelling, there is something you should try to do where if you can find a real black person for a black role, find a black person. And then same thing with with Gambit, you know, based I know that there's so many different universes and all that, but if you can find an actor who is more, you know, Gambit and everything mm-hmm. that he is and was created to be in the stories, then cast that actor. You know, you can produce something and let that role go to somebody who you know, if you can be, you know, third party objective about it, and that's it's hard to do when you've got a lot of power in your hands. But sometimes it's better to just take a step back and mm-hmm. give it to someone who's going to do the story a little more justice. And I think this is especially relevant because we just learned that the the actor for the Shaft remake is Michael Sarah. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, he. I, I just looked this up. He's from Alabama. He's from Coleman, Alabama. So, I mean, he's from the South. He could probably do that draw. All you South what people I'm look the same to you, don't so, they, I love Trevor? it when people change my mind because I was worried about, like, Jared Leto's Joker and I was worried about mm-hmm. even Heath Ledger's Joker and he blew me away and yeah. is now, Heath like, Ledger's the amazing. face of the mm-hmm. Joker. So mm-hmm. I think it's completely possible that he can do it and do an amazing job. And I hope for that. I always hope for people to prove me wrong. The only thing that made me skeptical is because I've seen The Eagle, the Chain Tatum, when he tried to do an accent. And it did not work out <laughs> well at all. So thinking about him trying a Cajun one kind of hurt my brain a little bit. So I think what Fox should do is have like an American Idol contest for like four known actors and be like, America, who do you want to see as your gambit? So you think you can gambit? Huh? <laughs> so you think you can gambit? I think, I, again, I'm, I think Taylor Kitsch should get the role back. I think so too. I think like, he had an unfair... Just like just like how Ryan Reynolds got Deadpool yeah. after his terrible Wade Wilson in uh, Wolverine Origins, give Taylor Kitsch the ball again. Yeah, give I think he chance. did. I think he did great with the little bit that they did. I thought he when I heard he was gonna be Gambit, I was like, 
right on board with it. So mm-hmm. I think that they, I think that'd be great. And just do what they did with Deadpool, where and maybe it's going to be a waiting game. Maybe they're going to see how Deadpool does, but just you know, just make this project be a smaller superhero movie budget wise, and just build it based off of like the character and being more faithful to it, like with Deadpool. And then I think it would do well. It doesn't need to be like a hundred million dollar feature. Well, and also, I mean, with the success or like with Ant-Man and how well that seems to be doing, at least with audiences, like Gambit is a thief. Yeah, That's he's part of a thief thing. guild. Make he's, a movie about that. Yeah, no, well, a, a solo Gambit movie has to be thieves and assassins, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's where else can you go with that he, character? He like, grew up like Oliver Twist in the South. Yeah. Like basically like yeah, his little absolutely. pickpocket. Mm-hmm. So I think that that, you know, and that doesn't need to be a big movie. It'd be pretty awesome. Did he? Okay, here's a question. Yeah. Um, Wolverine Origins, does he even use a deck of cards? For uh, once. once. And he once. throws against Wolverine, blasts him through the wall, and okay, then he yeah. doesn't do it again. So That's right. Yeah, he just has the one. He just has the one thing where he like runs into him and he's like, he's doing like uh three card Monty or something like that. Yeah. 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 That was a bad movie. He does that, and then he does. <laughs> Wolverine's the, he my the favorite staff comic book character of all time, and that was a bad movie. Oh, but yeah, every they got everybody wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. everybody, yeah. and they called it Origins. <laughs> yeah, they got everyone <laughs> wrong. But like good actors um, to portray terrible characters, mm-hmm. because even like I liked Will I Am, and and they even had. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they could have cast yeah. it better, but I didn't think he did a bad job. Mm. <laughs> come on, I would, he was I, in two scenes. But also, hey, come on, Logan. Like, but also, yeah. like yeah. to show how yeah. awful they were. Uh, Dominic Monaghan, uh, the guy who was Charlie on Lost. Um, yeah, he was great. But he, the guy he played, is uh, Barnell Bushel uh, Bushek, and that's from Grant Morrison's run, and he is literally a bird faced man. Like, he's a gawky, like, 17-year-old kid who has the face of a bird. And that's who Dominic Monaghan was supposed to play. Dominic kind of looks like a bird. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that piggybacks on what we were saying before about how sometimes it's beyond the actor's control, whether or not the script is good, Mm, the director's good. That that is Hugh Jackman's southpaw. And Ray Donovan is the villain? Come on, that's stupid. Ray... (laughs) Uh, all right, so let's jump into this movie. Yes. 1974's Mel Brooks' Blazing Saddle. Hold on, I'm going to knock really quick for Chris. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to do it? You're not going to do it? Incoming. Bienvenue. Welcome. Come on in. <laughs> I like it. All Chris right. literally does that every single time I've come over <laughs> to his house. I've knocked on the door and he just... been years. <laughs> so let's go around and say just really quickly what we thought of it before we dive into it and what you would rename it if you have to. Um, loved it. It's super funny. Um, yeah, it's just... Uh, we'll get into why it's great. I think we all agree. Um, I would call it Slurs and Spurs. <laughs> I came up with that on That's a good one. I came it. up with it on the drive here. Like, as I got That's off good the freeway, one. that's what I came up with. So, Slurs and Spurs. I love that. It'd be a, a post- or a, yeah, a comma, or apostrophe. It, it, and an right? apostrophe. Yeah. An apostrophe. Ooh, fancy. Um, love it. My favorite movie of all time. Of wow. all time. It was the first movie I ever remember seeing. And it still makes me laugh every time I watch it. I love it. Great movie. I would rename it The Coolest Hands in the West. 
<laughs> cool. Is it because he cool. blows on them before shooting? No, it's because Cleveland Little is so fucking cool in this yeah. role, man. <laughs> he and he's got a thing for his hands, I guess. Huh? Mm. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it, and I would call it Am I a Bad Person for Loving This? <laughs> because at the beginning of the movie, I was like, this is... I can laugh, right? This is, this is funny. This is funny. This is not for the lighthearted. No. <laughs> so we can dig into it more when we get to the specifics. Noah, but what did you think? Of I it? I have I I have a um a conflicted past with this movie. Um, it I don't. I Were don't you a know railroad road worker. Who I was, was made sheriff. That <laughs> it was just too soon for the quick quicksand incident. Um, no, it's I. I want to like it more than I do. Um, it doesn't entirely work for me. So it's just as much as I love Mel Brooks. I absolutely love Mel Brooks. I have seen um, all of his movies way more times than I can count. Robin Hood Den- or Men in Tights is probably my favorite Mel Brooks movie. And I've watched Spaceball so many times where it's just not funny anymore. I used to laugh my ass off. And now I watch, I'm like, I just, it's not funny. (laughs) I've seen it that many times. This one just, I can appreciate it more than I like it. I just, I was conflicted too. I mean, seriously, when it started, I was thinking, what is this movie? I didn't know. I didn't read anything about it. I hadn't seen it. And I, I mean, the, the way they use the N word so, Mm. so often (laughs) jokes about rape and slavery and killing people. And I just was thinking, I, I don't know how to feel because these jokes, it's slapstick and it's, it's funny the way that the that the actors play off of it. It's it's so lighthearted and kind of ultimately painting a picture, making fun of who's making fun of right. it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I liked it because it was so bold. But there were just so many things they joked about where I was thinking, I am a shitty person. I am the I'm so bad <laughs> for wanting to laugh at this right now. But also like some of the you mentioned like the end, the, the rampant use of the n word, which I mean. I think I've seen you like Samuel L. Jackson performances in Quentin Tarantino films that have used it way more than this. Yeah, but film. it's shocking in this because at least for the time, it wasn't really said this much in mm-hmm. comedy. Like, um, that's the biggest distinction. It was funny you in white comedy. In white, like I mean, yeah. Well, I'm saying for the time, though, and also keep in mind, like, oh, but white people were saying it all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, all the yeah, time. This is, yeah, it we was, don't want to be on film saying it though. <laughs> um. But yeah, it was also, I mean, Richard Pryor is one of the writers right. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I mean, what's funny about how much it's used is like probably the funnier bits is the times when it's not used. Like yeah. the... Yeah, the bell. Yeah, the bell. Um, but still, one of my, one of the hardest times I laugh the is... Knee. Yeah, yeah. When um, Mel Brooks, uh, Mel Brooks is, uh, he's walking Bart down and uh, and he's just like, don't you know that that guy's <laughs> a knee? And then he's just like, oh, we'll stop. And then uh, when he brings... Um, uh, Headley. Headley. He brings him Headley and he still says knee. I thought that was so funny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just like, just play it like he didn't pause at all. Like that wasn't like a stutter, which is, oh God, I'm not going to finish the word. Like he meant to say that was so funny. Yeah, I loved it. That was great. And we'll just jump into all this. But um, if I had to rename it, I would rename it The More Things Change, dot, dot, dot. Just because. Um, and it, by the way, it'd be an ellipses, and I wouldn't have the words dot dot dot. Um, obviously, but no, well, just, you should have said ellipses. Yeah, <laughs> the more things change, ellipses. Um, just because I, I, I find it interesting that it's making fun of people who are racist and prejudiced and all that stuff, but it's like, but you know, we we kind of know with recent events that. 
there are certain parts of the country where that's still kind of how it is. You know, it's not. I'd like to say that we're sitting. Think along. about that for a while, people. Still, this movie yeah. was made in what? 1974. 70, 74. It's 40 been, years old. 41 hmm. years old. One also, like, or more 40, yeah. of the country looked like that 40 years ago. Like the the, right. what, the places we're looking at now and like seeing how they still haven't progressed. There was more of the country back towards their direction than in the current climate. Which is why I'm totally cool with how far this movie sure. took it because these things are real. That's yeah. how they were referred to by yeah. all these people, especially in the, in the West and all that stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially, yeah, because you have to keep in mind like at this time, I mean, it takes place 1874. So within the context, the Civil War has been done for 10 years. Mm -hmm. You haven't even raised up a generation that has lived in a post-war society. Um, And then, yeah, in the West, that was really the only opportunity for um, uh, African-Americans. I mean, the North whatever they just yeah. had their head up their ass like we are like intellectually against slavery but just, none of our practices they're blissfully ever. ignorant to what mm-hmm. was going on in but other then parts also of the and country. then also you have the um i mean it's just so much more of a racial um like melting pot over in the west because you have um you have all the the, the spanish uh speakers um you have all the um the chinese laborers mm-hmm. it's so much more of a diverse area but also but like like just shows like how much the racial well and a lot of a lot of the um supervisors for creating the railroad were people from the south so you have a lot of people who are pissed off that this is kind of the situation now overseeing people who used to be the you know like totally fine as their slaves so i mean you did have like if you've seen hell on wheels the show show. it's amazing yeah you know they they even have those conversations like what are you complaining about you have your freedom now quit bitching and do this like and just treat them absolutely like dirt because mm-hmm. yeah this you know, is the era of like sharecroppers and people yeah. like basically just uh it's still basically slavery except you can pick the house you're gonna go live in and they'll give you a dollar um and they like won't beat you but it's just like they'll let you leave you to die they'll just they don't care about the human cost like it's still yeah very much a like it's not that much removed from slavery at the time. Yeah, no, and it's uh, not oh, yeah. that much removed from 1976 either. You know, which I thought that had those amazing parallels well, yeah. to it. Civil rights have only been passed seven years at this point. Mm-hmm. So again, you don't have a generation that's been raised in a post civil rights world. Um, like Martin Luther King is has only been dead for like five years at this point. Um, I forget if he's killed in 67 or 69. Um, but yeah, I mean, you still have a lot of stuff and we're not far mm-hmm. removed from it at the time this film. Even- That's why I really liked after a while, after kind of getting the tone and what they were trying to go for, I, I started to really like it because I realized, okay, they took this awful, awful period of time and they're making a spoof about it. They're making it lighthearted. And they cast the lead character as a black hero. Mm-hmm. So in all of the times that they're throwing that word around, they they still make it kind of in favor of, you know, quality. And all yeah, that and I, I think it's great that, you know, they're really pushing their audience, which isn't far removed from all of the civil rights stuff mm-hmm. at all. Like, I mean, certain states are still in the thick of it. Even South Carolina, they erected the Confederate flag 10 years earlier because they were pissed off at the laws saying that all um, public spaces have to be integrated, that you can't have them segregated. So this is 10 years from when South Carolina put that flag up. Because they were pissed. And a lot of the, I mean, 10 to 20 years prior to this movie is when all of those southern states added the Confederate flag to their 
state buildings in protest of the integration. Yeah. And so, now, I mean, so this is a movie is kind of good on Warner Brothers yeah. for putting this out and kind of pushing well, people. Well, they to told like, Mel Brooks, stupid. no, 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 yeah. on a lot of this. And he just said, okay, okay, but never and changed any of it. Well, yeah, yeah, his contract, I was That's reading amazing. this, his contract, had he had final cut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he definitely, I, I think because of his clout, he was able to get away with a lot of stuff because... He only took one thing out of the movie that they Richard wanted Richard Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wasn't his fault. That was Richard Pryor's fault, but we'll get well, into he's, that. Yeah, we'll see. No, I'm so, saying he only took the, the, one thing out because of Warner Brothers. Notes. I heard that joke. Is it the... It's the one where they're in there in the dark. Yeah, yeah. And where um, with uh, Lily and... Up. Yep. And um, they took out the final line where... Um, Cleavon says, uh, like, you're sucking on my elbow. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been hilarious. (laughs) That's the one thing that, like, Warner Brothers put their foot down in. So, but, yeah, because she thinks his dick is that yeah, big. Yeah. <laughs> she mistakes like it's his arm. It's woo. It's woo. Oh shit. Oh man. So, but no, I think I think it's there. What's cool about this movie is they're in what what makes it a classic and what makes it great. And you have to respect it, even if you don't necessarily care for the movie or its humor. Is just it's pushing people to be like, look, this is all stupid. Mm-hmm. The racist stuff is just stupid. Even uh, with women and all these guys, rape, arson, murder, and rape. You said rape Wait, twice. I, I like, like rape. rape. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wait, so you spare the women? No, we rape them. But what do they say? That yeah, we rape the shit out of them at the number six dance later on. The whole, the whole, I mean, really, the whole thing is an attack on like old white straight yeah. men. Yeah. Like the whole yeah. thing is um, because eventually like all the people sort of brought into the conflict at the end is all the disenfranchised people Mm -hmm. like women get involved in it uh the gay dancers get involved in it (laughs) It, the whole thing is just that all of the villains of this film are the the straight white white, old male yeah but i don't feel like it's that positive for women i mean i feel like that's what i'm saying no i mean i'm saying like i don't think i think that they that the writers and producers of this still kind of belittled women it's oh yeah we're still overcoming now i mean obviously the secretary and all that stuff is very read it you wild bitch i mean women did not get their right to vote until after an entire race of mankind was able to so that's something that even now you guys have seen is finally where women are making waves in the industry and Mm -hmm. changing that Mm mm-hmm when that's 55 we're, we're doing all the historical stuff with this one it's a very historical well, podcast I mean, so that's, I, but i think 50, that's, that's the reason why this is still such a relevant movie and why this should be on afi's list mm-hmm. it's just because of the cultural relevance of what they're tackling and that the fact that it was a success when it could i mean people could have been super pissed about this mm-hmm. and let a pitchfork rally and Westboro Baptist Church could have been like so all you know really making this not a financial success because it is pushing people out of their comfort zone yeah and I think putting you in the shit right at the beginning like you were feeling mm-hmm. watching this Renee where it just puts you in the shit right away it's just like you know just feel free to be uncomfortable but check out what we're doing with this and why yeah. we're doing it and that's a big thing that's what I liked mm-hmm. about it was that it really did make me feel uncomfortable but the, I think that was their point that was what they, mm-hmm. they wanted yeah. to, and as much as I love yeah. Django um, and I do think that's Quentin's best movie so far as much as I love it I do wat- watching it I do sometimes understand the criticism where people say like we get why he's using the word but he does it so much it becomes exploitative 
And I feel like this movie never got, it used it a lot, but it never got, it, there was a point to it. Then it was done a lot better. That tightrope walk was done a lot funny. better by Brooks than Tarantino. I felt like, Jenk, when we were looking for directors to, to direct this, I was thinking, well, what if Quentin Tarantino, because of Django, I was like, wait, that pretty much Django was oh, Quentin yeah. Tarantino's oh, yeah. adaptation oh, yeah. of this movie. Django is, un, is unfunny blazing saddles. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, isn't it? That's is absolutely amazing. what I thought. He took out yeah. all the jokes. <laughs> yep. But yeah. it was still kind of a parody. Yeah, it was so, so funny. But I, I believe that sometimes Wake exploitative things are more honest. And I... I yeah, yeah maybe he used it a lot but I think that that was good because that was what their life was like mm -hmm. and sure. I think well, that's sometimes the only way to get that across people's head is to smack them over the head with it mm -hmm. exactly I mean like a lot of the the exploitive films of like the 70s are probably more truthful and honest to the situations they're yeah. coming from than a lot of the studio movies at the time like Requiem for a Dream was one of those that yeah it was really gritty it shows a lot of drug abuse sex and all you know sex for money but it, it that shit happens mm -hmm. Yeah, and it really. But even that to like, light. like uh, even contemporary stuff to this is like you have like Shaft and like the Pam Greer stuff. A lot of the stuff that eventually would influence Tarantino's work, mm -hmm. um, like all that stuff, is probably more truthful to what's going on than even like Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Um, even though like their filmmaking and their use might be amateur or um, a lesser quality, like the truth of it, like they're much more truthful about their context than the sort of like gilded sort of Hollywood studio stuff. Yeah, trying to fit your sponsorships in there. And, you know, <laughs> and they can't attach them, their, their money to a lot of those truths because they'll lose, you know, they, they'll be associated with one political point of view or not, and businesses can't do that. So surprisingly, uh, other than the, the knee joke, surprisingly, this is one of the Mel Brooks movies where I don't really like him in it. Um, <laughs> like for one, I feel his governor character especially that first scene doesn't make any fucking sense where he's kind of blind, I guess, but he can see boobs and he can see a guy not harumphing. He's it just was, a doofus is what it yeah. is with the, the, the I don't wandering kind of cross-eyed kind of idiot and politician. And he didn't even keep up with that. But the, it was just for that one scene. The thing you have to keep in mind with this too is this, as much as this is social commentary, it's also a parody of those old westerns. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's totally, like it's totally lampooning all those old studio westerns. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where Mel Brooks is pulling his characters. He's pulling it from those sort of, like, caricature, cliche, like, uh, like bureaucratic characters from the old westerns. So I think that sort of is a lot of the context of why his character is such a buffoon just right off the bat, just like immediately crazy and everything. And also the brown face wasn't, right. <laughs> wasn't great. Hey, darker than us. <laughs> great. I'm totally cool with him going right, brown right, face. <laughs> so, yeah, that, I mean, that's just was one man. Nobody ever opinion. talks about the Native Americans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he did. <laughs> what else? What else do we want to want to talk about? I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm curious why, what... Considering kind of how, even considering um, Robin Hood Men and Tights has a direct reference, why you feel Robin Hood Men and Tights is the better Mel Brooks film? Just, I'm, I'm curious about that. Well, so social relevance obviously goes to Blazing Saddles. I yeah. just, for me, I think the reason why that is, is the humor in this doesn't really work for me. I, I, I know, I, I'm sure I'm the only person... On this panel, let alone probably one of the only people listening who doesn't feel this way, but just I just 
didn't find the jokes funny. It was um, very slapsticky. There were, but I don't very, even mind slapstick because uh, obviously Robin Hood Men in Tights has a shit ton of slapstick and it's hilarious. I just and every time I've seen it, I've seen this movie a bunch because I love Mel Brooks and I you know studied his comedy for a long time. It just the humor just didn't work for me at all. I mean, I love. I, there's certain things that I love, but they're few and far between. Like I love when the way that um, Bart gets out of the initial everyone in the town wanting to kill him is by <laughs> do what he well, said, yeah. do what he said. I love that. That's probably my favorite bit <laughs> in the so whole great. movie. I just absolutely love that. I thought that that was great, and I love the story. It's just the majority of the comedy just didn't just fell flat to me. And it always has, even as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not the slapsticks. Like I said, Robin Hood has a bunch. I used to love Dracula dead and loving it, even though now watching it, it's not as funny as when I was a kid. <laughs> well, maybe it's that thing we were talking about where maybe it's like too socially relevant. Like, no, I don't think don't so. Think so. Cause I've seen some pretty socially relevant, <laughs> like in your face shit. It's just the humor. It's absolutely the humor is what is just, that's the reason for me mm-hmm. why I can really appreciate this movie. And I love what it does. And I love its story. But it just, just that's why, like, just the humor. Yeah, you know, and I think the humor for you might not be the reason, but the humor for me, like, that's my type of humor. <laughs> you guys do improv with yeah. me. You know how I kind of get out there and make people uncomfortable. Like, that was the comedy environment I was kind of raised in, and this kind of epitomized that. So, like, are, are you taking notes for this, man? I took more notes for this than I have for any movie we've done so far. And this was just me just writing down almost every funny line I heard. Like, almost every single line was funny to me in this movie. And I still quote it until this day with my brothers. Like, it, this, this is my kind of comedy. Cool. One thing I was curious about watching it, I, was, I wrote down, I'm like, I wonder if this is the first Oscar-nominated nom- film with a bean fart campfire scene. <laughs> Isn't it the first fart it's scene? It's the in, second. In, okay. There was one in 1971. I don't remember the name of the movie, but it's actually the second movie to ever have fart noises. <laughs> and boy, did they do it yeah, well. People, they do well. <laughs> people wonder when so you people can, criticize yeah. American culture. Um, for being like too, like um, lowbrow. No, no, being too conservative, being too oh. like Puritan, and being too like um, just kind of I don't know what I, the word I'm trying to say, but like the fact that it took till 1974 to have the second fart scene, <laughs> like how repressed we are as yeah. a culture that it took that long, and that we know that we know that this is a landmark film for that reason, <laughs> like. <laughs> And that that to me is just like it took till seventies the seventies to show farts in movies. People were laughing at farts probably since people started farting. Forever, well, it's now, because it's funny because it's an the farts got to be like the first joke. Yeah. You guys see the cartoons that are on TV now? Like, well, I mean, we grew up with I think some pretty good cartoons, but now that's all they do. Yeah, on the stuff even we grew Disney up Channel with. Cartoon. I mean, I don't run in Stimpy and all that stuff, but even like that's all that's on there. Mm-hmm. Every show is just like vomit, barf. Or like fart if you, poop jokes. They have a um, on this uh, cartoon on uh, Nickelodeon, Sanjay and Craig. They have an episode where uh, so, it's a boy and his snake, um, and the boy has a fart baby. Like he holds in his fart so long that it goes to his stomach, and it's called a fart baby. <laughs> That's so funny, and it is funny because you know the second second movie that was ever in was rated R, and now it's like in a bunch of kids' movies. Like that's the go to for the Scooby Doo sequel. Is like there's a big old fart scene, and for all those, it's like so. Now so that's this for was kids. rated R. Oh, you think? Was it? I mean. 
I've seen stuff where there's because they never said fuck, but there was a lot of shit, and obviously the racial slurs alone, the rape jokes. Yeah, but I just I never knew it was rated R. It was it had to have been R because it's clearly not PG, and there was no PG thirteen at this time. Mm -hmm. Uh, That wasn't until the eighties. So yeah, I think it was. I don't know some PG movies in the eighties. Oh yeah, PG thirteen used to like. Also, I mean, what people thought of thirteen year olds was so much lower. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, screw it, show them everything. I don't care. Well, I was always surprised because I love Doc Hollywood Mm. with Michael J. Fox, and she comes out of the lake like full frontal, and this is PG thirteen. I'm like, oh, oh, mom. I'm glad mom's not downstairs with me. Right now. I have Michael some J. questions. Fox's <laughs> finest work for that scene alone. <laughs> Doc Hollywood is a watchable movie for that scene alone. It's so great. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I thought that was interesting. And sure enough, it's the second movie ever to have farts in there. I also, I love Madeline Cotton. Oh, she's I just great. love her in everything she's ever done, she's and she is brilliant in this. Mm-hmm. She is just absolutely spot on. And the I'm tired sequence is hilarious i love it i love everything about her in this movie she's just great she's always great but Mm. she was just she was my favorite part of this whole movie she probably carries the weight of the because everybody else seems to be playing towards the more social commentary she really is the one who carries the burden of like the western sort of stuff yeah because she has like that's the the um uh, bordello like uh, showgirl sort of scene and everything like that like lampooning all those like sexy dance numbers <laughs> in the saloon and all the guys hooting and hollering and so she like is one of the people who only has to worry about that because she doesn't really get a chance right. to deal with but the even with that stuff. character I love yeah. I love how it's just this whole thing like she is not even trying to be sexy in that number I mean, she's just literally like, I'm so, I'm so tired. I'm half asleep, and the guys, because like, there's not a lot of women in the Wild West, are still losing their shit <laughs> because, like, oh my god, she's a woman. I'm so turned on right now. She's like not doing anything. She even said like, everything below the waist is just tired or whatever, and they're just like, yeah, a lady. I just, I love that, and I do think it's a great, you know, nod to that because. Slim Pickens back in the day. <laughs> Slim Pickens. Literally. Yeah. What, what, are the, what other notes do we have? I want to hear you, more from you guys. Chris just read off lines. Chris, he has great <laughs> Chris wrote a novella about this movie. <laughs> Man, I swear to God. Okay, let's just... Daddy love Froggy. Froggy love Daddy. Is he just random stuff like... Oh, and then... Lily, Lily, Lily legs. Lily, Lily. You know, just like little shit like that. Um... What do people think of Gene Wilder? I dug him. I love him. <sighs> I like. I. I it's been it's so long since I've seen this film. Like I forgot how subdued he is. Oh, yeah. Like just as an actor, it's just like because I mean, really, you just always go to like Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka, and he's a little bit more lively, a little bit, and he's also like more unhinged. And like it was just, it was sort of weird. Like I completely had forgotten how like he is like it like he popped an Ambien before every oh, take. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I mean, I guess that's what makes it even funnier that he's like the fastest hands yeah. in the West. Um, and yeah, it was just so funny. Like I'd completely forgotten. And he's also like, I've forgotten how like effeminate he kind of is in his performances. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Always. Um, yeah, it was just sort of funny. Like Gene Wilder just, I forgot. And he's also like barely part of the movie. Yeah. Like yeah, he's, that's what he, I, it's, yeah. Since the last time I forgot just how little he's actually in it. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause I mean, he, he has such a big presence in everything that he does. And I do, I do feel, you know, like in this role, he definitely, it's very effortless le- or effortless because it almost seems like 
he's not trying, but he's nailing it. Like he's just so laid back that he just makes it look so easy. And he does a brilliant job. You're like, man, he's just chill right now. Yeah, Mel Brooks originally had uh, someone older. He had an old uh, Western star who was an a, mm-hmm. alcoholic, you know, real Toro That's what he face. wanted. He wanted like a leathery face. Yeah, and he said he, he had someone. I forget the guy's name. But then the guy started throwing up and he got sick and they had to take him to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So then he said he flew because Gene Wilder wanted to do it. Yeah, he but he said, it. you're too young. He wanted you know? him for Headley. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so he Gene's called him like, in and had him do the Waco Kid, and he played it amazingly. Yeah. And um, Johnny Carson was also offered the role of Waco Kid. No he way. It down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say uh, my sophomore year in high school, I was in a drama class with my brother, who was a senior at the time. And our final, we did that first scene when he wakes up in the cell. Drunken number two was awake. And said, are we awake? We're not sure. I love that are dialogue. We are we black? black? <laughs> yes, we are. You know, like we, we did that awake. whole scene. <laughs> Even when they were playing chess, little bastard shot me in the ass. Like, yeah. <laughs> Crawled into a whiskey bottle. I got an, I got an A plus on that, just so you guys know. <laughs> yeah, as you should. That's yeah, one I love of my that favorite dialogue. lines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I th- Six-year-old kid. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw it, it was just like, he shot the kid. Like, that was his thing. And that was the joke. Like, he, he turned around and, like, accidentally shot a little kid. And, like, oh, no, he just, like, oh, this is stupid. And the kid shoots him in the ass. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Amazing job. And I'm, I'm really glad uh, they still let Richard Pryor kind of write this movie, mm-hmm. even though the studio knew that he, they weren't going to let him be the Sheriff Bart in this. Yeah, there were problems with him in the production of this. Um, even watching the behind-the-scenes um, interviews with a lot of the people, one of the producers was talking like, Mel Brooks wanted him as that character. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people did, because back then, though, he wasn't a huge movie star. He was still just a famous stand-up. But mm-hmm. even then, I mean, that was back when, with network TV and stuff, maybe you'd see them do like a couple minutes on Carson or something well, like hey, that. Did he have the Richard Pryor show at this point? I don't think no. That was until no. later in the seventies. Okay, but even even bringing him in as a writer proved problematic initially because even though like it was fun and there was like five writers in there bouncing ideas off of each other, uh, he wasn't dependable. Mm-hmm. Uh, like for example, one of the one of the days the producer was talking about where uh, Richard Pryor was late. And then he still wasn't there, and then still wasn't there. Like hours later, and they call Richard. And once this is this was written on the Warner Brothers lot here, you know. Um, and they called Richard. They're like, are you coming? And he's like, oh no, sorry. Uh, I met some girls, so we're in Detroit now. <laughs> so he just wasn't really dependable at the time. So they had to find someone else. And mm-hmm. thank God, like I mean, you can definitely tell it was written for him. But who they got was just Cleveland awesome. Little did a perfect oh, yeah, job. He was, yeah. he was like I like smooth. I, I would have liked him way better than if Richard Pryor would have done this. Mm-hmm. Just Cleveland was just smooth. Was I awesome. was like looking for his career after this and he didn't do a whole lot. Of, he of died it, young, but he was so he d- good. Him and he was more of a stage actor, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he did bit parts like on TV shows yeah. and stuff like, but he, he, I think probably he's part been, of it was health. He's been dead for like 20 years. Yeah. He died like early, early yeah, 90s. Like, he's like in his late 50s when he died. No, he was like 53 or something. I, I like know. just looked yeah. it up. Yeah, it was like 92. He was on a TV show on Fox at mm-hmm. the time. Um, that he was, I think it was like, it was like a starring thing for him and he died like oh going into God. like the second or third season. And Madeline Kahn died really young too from cancer and it's just sad. 
But they're both brilliant in this. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I wouldn't. I can't imagine anybody else in this Mel Brooks movie playing them. Which I mean, what? for the remake, because yeah. obviously we're retelling it, it's different. Like the take, but as is, as it stands, I can't imagine. Anybody well, and Richard else Pryor's playing. a different kind of cool. Yeah, like I, I like. I like Cleavon Little's, the way he presents the cool. It's just sort of like the, he knows it's bullshit what they're all doing. He's just like going, he's just sort of rising above it without really commenting on it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Richard Pryor, like. Well, he's more his, angry cool. Yeah. And he wants to point it out. Like that's yeah. sort of, he wants people to recognize what's going on. And Cleavon Little just sort of like. Does just, his own thing. He just does his own thing and doesn't let people stop him from doing that. Whereas Richard Pryor would just be like, notice this, notice this, yeah. notice yep. this. And I think Absolutely that, agree. that would have been, it would have been a different movie. Um, and I think, yeah, Cleveland Little did an awesome job with it. He's just so cool. Mm-hmm. He's just so cool the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of thought the third act fell apart for me a little bit. I, now, I'm just saying that I love it when movies go through a lot. Like, I love in Pee-wee's Big Adventure where they go through <laughs> yeah. the Warner Brothers lot. I love that. I love that and everything. I just feel like they stayed in that world a little bit too much. And even with the Chinese Man Theater, or the Man's Chinese Theater, like, that the Chinese man theater, yeah, <laughs> Chinese man, the Chinaman theater, because that's politically correct. Um, so I just I felt like it just went on a little bit too long, and the resolution kind of felt felt like a little cop out a little, a little bit. bit, a little bit. Um, and that's but that's just for me. But I love when they you know fell into the set of the of the Broadway dancers with Dom DeLuise and a little hey, all hit stuff. buddy, come on, girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's a piss on you. I'm working for Mel Brooks. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, I just I feel like when they got to the theater, it felt yeah, I think I think because it's such me. a kind of crazy movie, like it was just building up that kind of chaos, and eventually, like let's fucking just blow this thing up. Now it's yeah. towards the end. Yeah. We've done all the crazy shit we wanted to do up to this point. Let's just fucking. You it know. reminded me of Spaceballs when um, they're on the camera and he like turns around. And he's like looking into the camera, into the camera, into the camera. Yeah. You guys remember that? Little, yeah, little yeah, thing? yeah, it just kind of reminded me. I love that he likes to to bring well, it. Yeah, up. I, I do. Like when they fast like forward this part. <laughs> I should never play this part again. And then they um, also uh, like they uh, wrote him in a tight so they, like kill a stagehand during uh, like their yeah. final combat scene <laughs> with with the sword. Yeah, I love that stuff in Mel Brooks. You know, mm-hmm. properties. It's just I I felt like they just went on a little bit too long, but and should have been resolved back in the West. But it was resolved back in the West. They sit down in the movie theater and then jump back to the <laughs> West <laughs> <laughs> after shooting Headley. Right on Hollywood Boulevard. How, how do you do such amazing stunts? What's such a little feat? <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. One interesting thing, if you look in the background when he's buying a ticket, the the poster for There's the movie says Richard Black Drive. Bart. Oh, no. um, that was the original name that for was, it. Yeah. yeah, that was the second. I was wondering if that was like post stuff because it looked a little superimposed, like the Blazing Saddles. Like everything else on the signs like, yeah. looked like it was regular yeah. and it looked like that was imposed. Yeah, that's because at the time when they were, they were filming, filming it, it was Black Bart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's why they did it that way, which One is thing. interesting. That, but it's not really that But that also had my favorite joke um, when uh, he's buying the ticket to Blazing Saddles and then tries to <laughs> student. <laughs> oh, that's hey, my nitty, favorite. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, just like the final like <laughs> nail in the coffin of why this character is such a douchebag. <laughs> he tries to get a student at the movie <laughs> and he's mad when he doesn't get it yeah yeah and then he's just, and then he like is trying to escape to get to the movie and he's just like raising it and it's just that i thought it was so funny because even though it goes balls to the wall and even though they break the fourth wall 
Mel Brooks still keeps the characters the same. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's yeah. not all of a sudden that he is an actor playing Hedley uh, um, Lamar. He, like, it is Hedley yeah. Lamar who is just, he's wandered off the yeah. set of the movie he was in and everything. And I think, yeah, that was the, the real strength of it is that everybody stays in character. Yeah, the toll booth through. bit with the dimes. So yeah. Somebody go get. <laughs> oh, <laughs> go back and get it. I love that part. It's so great. <laughs> They just don't go around it. They're like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, man. What's so, like, that's what's so funny about all the Mel Brooks films is that all these characters... They pretty they, much exist in present day. But they all they all accept the reality. There's never any one person who just goes, this is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. If they yeah. ham to the camera, it's like in character. Like yeah. that's within the context of who this person is. None of them ever try and mm-hmm. like... Like be something they're not. Yeah. Well, even Mongo even in Ru- only pond. <laughs> yeah. In of of life. Richard Pryor wrote that. Joke. I know. I yeah. uh, Mel Brooks. He has this funny thing. I was listening to an interview, and he said, "You know what? I I did most of the black jokes. Man, Richard Pryor yep. mainly he, wrote for he Mongo. Loved Mongo. He loved Mongo. Um, and if you listen to Richard Pryor, in one of his early bits, uh, he's like, "Yeah, man. You know, uh, I used to get high and laugh at stupid shit. You know, if you get high, you laugh at that. Like I'd pick up the the newspaper and read a." Uh, an article says, uh, Irma Schwartz was married to Mongo Santa Maria. <laughs> and I just start laughing and shit, you know what I mean? So when the guy goes, Mongo Santa Maria. Like, like I get that shit, dude. Like, yeah. it's from his bit, so. But I'll kind of break in the, the reality um, with Robin Hood when um, Maid Marian's in the, in the bath. Mm. And you have, like, the paparazzi camera poke <laughs> through the head to take a picture of her. I think that that's great. But yeah, I think that's why it's so successful. Like, like with Ant Man and and some of the uh, the movies that like Shaun of the Dead, they know what they, know they, what are. they are. Yeah, that's and the that's biggest. Strength. What I think was successful about this. Yeah, it, nothing bothers me more than when a movie is trying when you have expectations going into a movie, and the producers know you have those expectations, and they overcompensate to trying to be like, no, 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 you should feel this way about it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it comes across so it just doesn't work, Force. and it makes you almost hate the movie where you're just yeah. like, no. That's like, I think that's what Southpaw was it. for me was it was trying really hard to be something yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. Have you guys heard the story of uh, the guy who sang the Blazing Saddles theme song? Oh, the fact that he didn't know it was a comedy. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. was just like uh, Mel Brooks was saying. Um, he got this guy because he knew he could do it, and he was just belting out this beautiful song, and he was super into it. And then Mel Brooks felt bad because he didn't tell the guy it was a comedy. He like he thought it was like an actual western. <laughs> well, he he wanted that. Yeah, he wanted. He said it worked fucking perfectly. He was worried it. that if he would have told him that the guy wouldn't have committed to making it so serious. Epic. <laughs> yeah, epic. Exactly. Epic. Yeah. Well, yeah, and yeah, like they even open up like it's a western with like yeah. the the burn away of the logo mm-hmm. and everything like that. And yeah, and then it really sells it when you have such a strong like. I mean, sometimes you got to do this. Sometimes you got to trick people into putting their heart and soul into yeah. something to get comedy. When they started singing, when all the, the railroad workers started singing at first, that's when I was like, okay, th- this is what kind of movie this is. <laughs> oh, I love that part oh, where it's like, great. sing some of your songs. When you were slaves, you oh. sang like birds. Does that not sound like politicians nowadays? Yeah. <laughs> trying to defend the Confederate flag and all that racism stuff? Well, they was happy. Yeah. <laughs> and then some get a kick <laughs> from champagne. Oh, I love that part. That was so great. <laughs> and then the town folk when they're singing about the town going to shit too. <laughs> oh, I love that so song. It's so catchy song. too. Yeah, I was singing that, was singing that after. <laughs> Behind the bar said ain't no Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I love just like that's such a throwaway joke, which is how everyone's last name Johnson? is Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, 
Howard Johnson's right about Gabby Johnson <laughs> being all, right. Yeah, Forever. Howard, Howard Johnson. <laughs> like all the all the little jokes they have within those names themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Good stuff. And the uh, the Germans, like when they were fighting out uh, in the fake town, you just see the Germans, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's from uh, Mel Brooks, what, uh, what happened to him when he was in World War II, when he was fighting in Germany. He said um, their, their kind of trenches were near ours, and one night you just hear him go off and singing, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, so I picked up a little horn, and I started singing, and he started singing some kind of like show showtime tune or whatever. And he says, and then afterwards... They clap and you hear them. Oh, that was very good, very good. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What else do we have before we go into a little bit of trivia? I mean, we've covered a lot of a lot of trivia. But what are things that we want to bring up specifically about the movie? Do you want to go into the? I, I've decided because Brian brought this up, and I really do think it's good to have in there where it talks about um, box office mm-hmm. and how well it did. Um, so, do you want to? Kind of, do we want to go around the horn and guess how much it made in its lifetime gross? How much did it cost? Oh, I'm curious about that. Oh, More than how see. much it made. <laughs> there actually says, I mean, even Box Office Mojo doesn't have a production budget. So I don't know. Wow. We don't know. $300 million in lifetime. $75 million. $500 So you have $300 million. $300 million. $500 million. <laughs> I, I, One dollar. I have no idea. I, yeah, because so... if you go over, you lose. <laughs> You're off the podcast. You're edited out. <laughs> uh, um... Oh, the I guess the budget was two point six million dollars. Thank okay, you, Brian. That helps. Um, lifetime. Does it have adjust? Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Should have clarified this before too. Is no, this adjusted, adjusted? Adjusted no. for inflation? That's no. what I was thinking. I don't. I don't even. I mean, it's been so so long. And I changed mine to one hundred and fifty million. I was gonna say one hundred seventy-five. So five hundred and sixty million. I'm up <laughs> in the ante. One hundred million dollars. <laughs> According to Box Office Mojo, the domestic lifetime gross, which I mean, it doesn't have. I don't think it's distributed worldwide because it just has domestic lifetime gross. Is one hundred and nineteen point six million dollars? Oh. You all fail. <laughs> Chris you fails the worst. So now it's <laughs> so now it's a Garfield minus Garfield. It was just Noah talking to himself. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, all right, so let's do some let's do some trivia. And if you guys think of any any other points that you want to bring up, we can talk about that too. Um, oh, this is interesting. All right, I forgot about this. What? What's? Oh. Brian just informed me, adjusted for inflation, it made $513 million. Boom! But that doesn't count because they don't count. It counts. Brian's the smartest guy in the room. It counts. But adjusted to inflation doesn't matter because that's fake money. That's not actual tangible money that Warner Brothers has. That's true. But it's the value what a, what a of that. That's not what I'm, that was not the, the trivia question. The trivia question is what did it make, make in its lifetime in the box office? That has nothing and to do with and inflation. And, you're, and you have a 41-year-old lifespan in which the value of our currency has radically changed. But has it been in the box office this whole time? No. You can't quit trying to remake the rules or the criteria of this. Oh, I'm sorry. Box office. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know this was an economic podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very simple question. Quit trying to turn it around. 
Brian very easily found that answer. <laughs> I really am looking forward to when we get a community of fact checkers for this yes. podcast. I'm really looking forward to, to reading what I am people actually, have to say. About I am actually too because people out there listening, if it, we'll do a corrections yes, and omissions thing at the top of our podcast, if you bring something up, I've been sure. wanting to do that for my podcast because I've been listening back to it and hearing me miss <laughs> mis, misspeak about stuff, right. and I just want to my own personal self. Like, all right, I have stuff yeah. I said that was wrong, so I need to. Clarify. I I took, that. I took great offense to me when I said, <laughs> so I forgot about this. So when the original writer wrote it, he didn't write it as a comedy and it was picked up by Warner Brothers and the original film was to be directed by Alan Arkin and James Earl Jones was going to be Bart. What? <laughs> yeah. So was Arkin was because Arkin would have been in like in his 30s. Mm-hmm. Was that like, a, was he going to direct and star? No. Well, I don't know if he was going to be the Waco kid or even if that was even a character in... In the original script. It had to have No, because that whole script was torn to shreds. No, but I mean, just like in terms of how it had to have had a white side character. Maybe. Like it, it, it would have to have a white co-lead just to be made and it'd be picked up. I'm just talking about the context in which it was made. I imagine there was, not, whether or not it was the same Waco kid character, but there would have been a, a white male lead character. Sure. Um, but that's interesting. But then it just never got made for some reason or another, and they paired him up with Mel Brooks, and Mel Brooks brought in new writers, and now we have the movie that we do. But I don't, I mean, there wouldn't have been staying power for, I don't even remember what the original title was, because Black Bart was the second title. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember. Tex X. That's right. That's right. So, um, but yeah, I don't think it would have had nearly the staying power that this one does, obviously, but it'd be a different story, so who yeah. knows? It'd be a completely different But it could have just fallen into all the other Westerns, you know what I mean? Um, so, who already talked about that. Oh, this is funny. So during a speech awarding Mel Brooks as a Kennedy Center honoree, President Barack Obama mentioned going to see Blazing Saddles in the theater at the age of 13. <laughs> when Brooks asked how he got in with the ratings restriction, the president replied, I think I had a fake ID. Before adding, the statute of limitations has passed. <laughs> that's, that's so great. Did Obama like it? I, I mean, I guess so. He was there. He was at the Kennedy Center for Mel Brooks, so hopefully. Obama has to have. Yeah. <laughs> he is Bart. <laughs> he is, that's right? who he came in to be. Obama had to have... Had to have been I so inspired by Bart. Now. Yeah, I changed yeah, my casting now. I changed my casting. We're doing a movie oh, now. Totally. I mean, that's his whole person. He's, li- he's living yeah. Blazing Saddles. Bart. Oh, my God. That is amazing. That just blew my mind. And now everybody's recontextualized. Would this film be a success today? Would Holy it be made today? Shit. We're living it today. We are living it. That is so real. You guys see his little um, real comedy video right about him trying to dunk a cookie in the glass, Obama? Oh, yeah. Thanks, yeah, Obama. yeah, he, thanks, he, Obama. he doesn't fit, so he's, oh, thanks, Obama. So <laughs> he's talking about Michelle Obama exactly. and her giving him <laughs> such a small glass of milk. <laughs> that blew my mind. Holy shit. All right, so. Uh, Biden's the Waco kid. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. The Republican Party is Hedley Lamar. <laughs> Pretty much. No, man. Um, Boehner is Hedy Lamar. <laughs> or Hedley. That's Hedley. Speaking of which, because I'm just reading the trivia. She sued him. So Hedy Lamar sued Mel Brooks over over the name Hedley Lamar, and he like he told him to settle it. He's like, well, of course, pay her the money. Yeah. That's what the joke, but there, there's a joke in there. You'll yeah. be able yeah, to sue her. Yeah, because it's like, yeah. it's 1874. <laughs> <laughs> 
She hasn't even been born yet. You can <laughs> see where you want. <laughs> so um, while filming, Burton Gilliam was the was at first like really having a hard time saying the N word because mm-hmm. he really liked Cleavon and Cleavon like pulled him aside um, after so many takes. And it's like, dude, you know, it's just the words, it's the character. If I really thought that you meant what you're saying, we would have, we would go to Fist City. He's like, so just play around with it, add stuff to it if you want. It's Hold just, on. I have a new name that I came up with. Fist City. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I think that would be the porn spoof Fist of City. it. Oh, <laughs> it's something different, guys. <laughs> so um, when the fir- film first screened for the Warner Brothers executives, nobody laughed. Um, and so, <laughs> well, yeah, because of- they saw themselves parodied on screen as Mel Brooks. <laughs> well, but I also think that they saw a film that's going to really make a lot of their could make a lot of viewers super uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's like, this could majorly backfire. But then Mel Brooks like quickly assembled a screening with um, employees of Warner Brothers that just laughed their asses off yep. to it to kind of prove like, see, it's funny. So I think that that was really good. Uh, so oh, he even, Mel Brooks offered um, John Wayne a role. So he wa- he wanted a minute because they at the probably as a Waco kid, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean that's going to show us like how much as much as much as it's the social commentary, it's still like in the vein of the western, and, and I it's could, still yeah. all the. I mean, John Ford's I think still alive at this mm-hmm. time. John Houston's still alive. Like all the big figures in the western movement are still alive and sort of entered into like their like grandfatherly state. Um, and yeah, like it's definitely just as and much a Western. And Pickens, who played uh, Tiger, say, he was in Western. He's yeah. a big Western star, right? Yeah, I almost think maybe that was the role that he would want because that's the whole point of that role is yeah. to have the yeah. big Western star in it. So I, th- well, I could that, see John Wayne he did being a great job too. And that's also like I would say that's probably the hardest thing about this if it were remade today. Yeah, is the Western aspect of it. Yeah, not the racial stuff, not the humor. I think the the Western aspect of it is the hardest sell of this film. If it were made, well, because you're not because you you wouldn't be spoofing something that's currently the big box office mm-hmm. money hit. Yeah, well, that's why I think uh, timing is everything. Like why Shaun of, Shaun of the Dead was so great because all the zombie movies mm-hmm. and all stuff. And now I, I even think Ant Man a little bit was kind of making fun of the superhero things oh, yeah. a little bit. So Absolutely. yeah, they have to take the fads and. And work with that. I even love that that line in Ant Man where it's it's the whole concept of like this is a problem and only I can do it. And then you have the joke with Paul Rudd being like, you know what the first thing we should do is call the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. Um but yeah, so that was that was the trivia. Do we have anything else we want to get into before we go to the Tomorrowland segment? No. All right, no. let's do it. Let's start with you, Trevor. Where do you think the characters go after this? Um, they go back to their apartments, uh, <laughs> which are located very close to the soundstage. Um, no, I think in character, they probably just go off and have adventures. I would say they probably end up... Um, Bart probably goes around uh, just banging white women. <laughs> where do um, white women at? Where women at? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that why my yearbook me. quote, by the way. <laughs> but I would say... Have a nice day. If the... <laughs> Was that actually your yearbook quote? <laughs> that would be amazing. Please say it. Um, but uh, I would say they probably go to the city. That's that seems to be the natural extension of it. Now that they've sort of taken care of the the frontier, head back to the city, crossing a different genres. Yeah, yeah. That's why. Yeah, I think that's what they would do. Is sort of like go through like all the way up to like the Great Gatsby, <laughs> like make their way through that stuff. Um, but yeah, I just uh, all I know for sure is that Bart is going to go around and bang white women. <laughs> Chris, um, I think that Bart and uh, Jim would go off uh, 
not necessarily on their own adventure just to kind of be someplace and enjoy themselves, but always having, always uh, have to get into adventures and always having to solve things. Like, even though that wasn't their first intention, they're just kind of there. So they go get into wacky misadventures until they save little towns throughout the West. Yep. I mean, they, mm. they said it, no place special. So mm-hmm. that's probably where they're going to mean to go. But I would love to see because they were such an interesting duo. Um, and if you play with the fourth wall being broken of them being actors playing these, it would be kind of funny if they ended up in other movies, other genres, like completely like sci-fi and all this. So that would be really <laughs> exciting to see how they would handle being themselves still. But now the different scenario, different weapons, different whatever. <laughs> I think that'd be really fun. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to change my Tomorrowland segment because you guys blew my mind. I think now they run for president and vice president. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go on to our remake segment. Once again, we have to remind viewers that due to scheduling conflicts, Amy Adams cannot <laughs> be the in this. first film, time I is. ever decided Amy Adams could have a part in my remake. <laughs> let's, let's go the other way around. Let's start with you, Renee. Uh, okay, so directors, I mentioned earlier, I thought of Quentin Tarantino and realized that that movie was made already. Yep. <laughs> it was Django. So, okay, so next on my list, um, I thought of what other parody movies, and I've already brought both of these up. I think that Peyton Reed from Ant-Man mm-hmm. or Edgar yeah. Wright, which I think I, I would say maybe Edgar Wright a little more for Shaun of the Dead. Um, I would love to see that. For my cast, uh, I was thinking... If they wanted an older Bart, Jamie Foxx, mm-hmm. but a younger, but then Django again, but then a younger. <laughs> uh, I like Anthony Mackie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he'd be an interesting Yeah, pick. I like that a lot. Um, for those of you who don't know that, you know him from Falcon. Avengers and lots of fun stuff. Pain and gain. Pain and gain. <laughs> yeah. uh, for Jim, if they go older, Nicolas Cage. Because for some <laughs> reason, I can't look at Gene Wilder and not see Nicolas Cage now that somebody saw, said that to me. So look it up. Get like Google it. Look at their faces and you'll see, especially now that um, I don't want to do that. Older. I don't want to ruin Gene right? Wilder for me. <laughs> I mean, I like Nicolas Cage's acting. He's, he's Nicolas Cage, but I, his acting is great. Um, if they do younger, I kind of want to see Shia LaBeouf's take on, on Jim. <laughs> just to make it interesting. Um, Taggart, I'd like to see Paul Giamatti because I love that man. And yes. I want to give him every I role like I can that. give him. And then um, for Headley, I want to see Michael Caine do it. And those, are the only <laughs> act- those are the only actors that I cast. All right. Krios. <clears throat> okay. For me, uh, for Sheriff Bart, I would have Richard Pryor just because I always wanted to see that. And he's my favorite comedian of all time. And it would be more calling stuff out, which, yeah. which I like. Uh, for the Waco kid... For selfish reasons, I would cast myself. But for you guys, uh, I won't. I won't do that right now. Mighty big of you. Um, I would cast Will Ferrell. Okay, <laughs> Will Ferrell's in mind, but not where you'd expect. <laughs> and then for Hedley Lamar, I, I needed like someone who could be poetic, but still very funny. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like Harvey Corman was. So I would cast Steve Martin in that role. Huh. <laughs> uh, for Lily Von Stupp, uh, the amazing Madeline Kahn, I would uh, have that role go to Wendy McClendon Covey. Oh, I love oh, that. Yeah. She was, if you guys don't know, she oh, was Clem that. on Reno 911, yes. and she's in the Goldbergs now. Oh, I love that. Uh, I thought she would do a perfect job in that totally. role. Uh, she was that on Reno 911. Yeah, I know, right? Um, for Tiger and Slim Pickens, I would have uh, his role go to Danny McBride. <laughs> I think that'd be a good one. For Mongo, I would have Rob Gronkowski. 
for as the tight end for the Patriots. <laughs> oh You've seen his gosh. big ass dancing yeah. around on some video or another. He just kind of has that kind of big guy. I think he'd do a funny role. Um, and for uh, the governor, Mel Brooks's part, I want to have the late, great John Belushi. Um, oh, yeah. And then directed by Larry David. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Um, all right. So for mine, I, have, I like cast a lot of people in it. Um, uh, for Bart, I went with uh, Baron Vaughn. He's a stand-up. Um, he's been doing uh, a lot of stuff. He's in uh, Grace and Frankie right now. Um, but he's super funny. And he actually looks a lot like uh, Cleavon Little. Um, he's a super funny comedian. Um, for the Waco kid, I went with Franco. For James Franco. Because <laughs> I think, I mean... No, I, that works like really that. well. I really, um, for Headley, uh, Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> Interesting. I have him on mine, but not for what you have. Oh, um, for Lily, I have, uh, Kate McKinnon. Mm-hmm. I think she would do a, a she great, would. she would kill it. Uh, Taggart, John C. Riley. <laughs> oh yeah, oh that's God. a good one. Yeah. Um, oh, and then I went like for the townspeople, like, uh, um, Olson Johnson. He was the, uh, he was the more like well-to-do guy. He's the first guy who speaks. I have Patton Oswald. Yes. Uh, Gabby Johnson, who is the old prospector. I have him as Will Ferrell. <laughs> uh, and then Dr. Samuel Johnson as Zach Galifianakis. Um, the Rock as Mongo, which I just came up with. That's awesome. Um, and then uh, Amy Adams, I was going to put her as the slutty assistant. So that, was where, that was where I wanted to put Amy Adams. But we can't, so I went with... Uh, She's Cri- busy, I'm sorry. She's busy, I'm so sorry, I went with Christina Trevor. Hendricks and, okay. uh, yeah. from Mad Men. Yeah. And then for the governor awesome. and uh, director, I went with Louis C.K. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's a good one. He, he gave us Pootie Tang. I think he can give a good Blazing Saddles. <laughs> so if in the remake, Bart and Jim wasn't Obama and Biden, <laughs> instead I am, for Bart, I have Don Cheadle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think he kind of captures that like kind of laid back, cool kind of vibe. Um, for Jim, the Waco kid, I have Jason Sudeikis. Mm-hmm. So interestingly enough, uh, for Tiger, I do have John C. Riley as well. That's awesome. So I think it's I confirmed he's being cast. Um, for Headley, I like Danny McBride though. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. I do too a lot. For Headley Lamar, I have John Lithgow. <laughs> That's a good one. I think he'd be fun doing that. For Lily Von Stupp, I also have Kate McKinnon. So get out of my head, Trevor. What are you guys fucking or something? <laughs> she um, just straight up looks like her. Yeah. Like she really does. Mm-hmm. For the governor, I have Bill Murray. Mm, yep. And for the director, I have Paul Feig. So that's, I thought about that's Feig too, um, but he's I one just, of the smarter um, comedy directors currently. I think. Yeah, but also I think I think Louis C.K. really gets yeah, the material yeah. a little bit more than Feig. Um, so one thing I forgot to mention in the trivia that actually kind of bums me out. Um, so they actually made a TV show based off the Black Bart character called Black Bart, mm-hmm. and on because I own the Mel Brooks collection on Blu-ray. Except for some reason, doesn't have Dracula dead and loving it. Weird. Um, <laughs> that death scene at the end, stab her again. Oh, that's, that's one of the funniest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. where he gets drenched. Um, <laughs> but there's the pilot for the Black Bart thing, and it mm-hmm. stars Louis, Lou Gossett Jr. as Black Bart, <laughs> and it has a laugh track. He is the, and he's now the sheriff, which, I mean, that's not how the movie ends, but he's the sheriff of the town. He's the now show. the sheriff, considering he's he been the, the sheriff. sheriff. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, but he stayed, you mean? Well, yeah, stayed, instead yeah. of leaving. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. instead of leaving. But yeah, there's a laugh track that's very much that's like weird. canned laughter, and it's horrible. So much so that this is how bad that pilot was that surprisingly didn't get picked up. I had to look it up on IMDb to make sure it wasn't just like a spoof <laughs> pilot that yeah, they kids made. kids did this for, at like, home. Well, I was just like, because sometimes, like with Judd Apatow, in a lot of his movies, they have like spoof featurettes. And stuff like that. Like in Superbad, there was one where Michael Sarah was just an asshole that everybody hated. <laughs> um, and so I'm just like, is that what this is? So I looked it up and it was actually a real pilot. Wow. That was, and it was awful. And they say the N-word in it. And I'm just like, how is this going to get on TV? It was the 70s. Well, it you didn't. can say it on TV. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. At the beginning. Like at the very beginning. It's just <laughs> awful. Um, so, yeah. So that's sad. But. All right, wow. so final final two questions. That's the two-parter question is, does this film hold up as one of the best films ever? Or, you know, AFI has it number six in best comedies. Um, and if it was released today, do you think it would be as relevant or as important as is? Trevor? Yes and yes. Um, yeah, I think it it's super funny. Um, and as we've gone on, as we've gotten 40 years removed from it, I find that the content is still just as relatable. Um, and even probably even more so now that we kind of see like, Mm -hmm. we we're kind of living in, in a world where it's, um, like kind of stuff is sort of like, eh, fuck it, we'll just, I don't know. It just, it feels like the content is so much more relatable um, or just as relatable than it was when it was first right. released. So yeah, definitely yes for both. Um, yeah. Uh, yes. Um, I think it still holds up as one of the greatest, My like I said at the beginning, it's my favorite movie. Um, and I like that it takes you out of what's familiar and places you in subject that's uncomfortable and yeah. again, and, you're, and it doesn't really give you footing, but yet it's completely real. And I, I find such great humor in things that are real. Um, and this just has it all in spades, uh, no pun intended. But uh, it, I think it would have that kind of same effect today mm-hmm. um, because I think we've, getting, we've gotten a little bit of a familiar groove as far as comedies that are being put out. Um, like we already know the structure of them. And this... You know, it's it kind of had structure, but there's a lot of pitfalls in different places yeah. that it took you to, and mm-hmm. and I think um, it, I think it would catch people off guard if they were like people who haven't seen it if they were to watch it today. Um, yeah, because even today's comedies don't really push people and force them to kind of get out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Because uh, this is leaning into my thoughts. The um, it's so politically correct now that I'm worried that this wouldn't do well now yeah. because people are afraid, like with Super all of the, the race movement oh, yeah, and they the feminism movement, yeah. they wouldn't let themselves take it lightly enough to see that they were actually attacking old white you know, men. Instead, they would hear the the, the N word and they or they would get hear the same the criticism joke. that Quentin got for. Yeah, it would be the same people who are perpetuating the "All Lives Matter" hashtag. It'd be those people. I mean, yeah, it's definitely the climate. uh, That's what sucks about it is this film is just as relevant as it was 40 years ago. But it wouldn't be so easily to what's going on today. People are so distracted with all these other things and they think that, oh, I'm righteous by thinking that this is not okay and it's not okay to use the N-word. But the president using it was so in context appropriate and it's real and I think that it's I wish it would hold up Mm -hmm. I'm afraid it wouldn't but I do think uh, as far as number six Melissa it's yes very deserving it's a great movie and I think it has a lot that we can learn from it Mm 
And I absolutely agree. I do think it deserves to be um, still held up to high regards and being way up on that list. I think it's definitely where it needs to be. But Men in Tights should be number five. No, no, it's different. It's different. No, I don't think that's one of the best comedies ever made. It's just my favorite Mel Brooks one. Um, Because we're men. We're men in tights. 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 Oh, man. God, that's a great movie. Um, And if it was released today, I, I agree. I don't. I think everyone's super sensitive about stuff, and I think they want their mainstream movies not really to challenge them yeah. like it it once did. At least, I, no, it's it's the white population. They they don't yeah. want to deal with the the dark, wanna, gross, nasty talk. stuff because it hasn't changed. Well, People and, are still re- and exactly like what you're saying mm-hmm. with the Black Lives Matter versus well, All I, Lives I Matter. A, I have a point about that. I actually got into a little bit of a debate with somebody because I've used that before, but not in the way that they were saying not to use it. So there's a context for everything. Oh, yeah, sure. I've used it before with a puppy video because somebody saved a dog from a drain, and I said hashtag All Lives Matter, and I just meant it as exactly that. All lives do matter. Yeah. I didn't mean it in response to somebody saying right. All Black Lives. I would never do that because right. I totally see why that's not okay. But, but I, mean, I even, think there's a yeah. No, even with like the other stuff. For another example, is with all the the cops killing people and just shooting people when it just doesn't seem there's any point of that happening. And then you have the huge loud voice of like, well, not all cops are like that. It's like, okay, but let's yeah, but that let's mean deal that, yeah, with exactly. that. Doesn't the fix the problem. That just tries issue. to like be like, I'm uncomfortable. Let's not talk about. Yeah. So that. I mean, even getting politically correct again, people are now attacking mm-hmm. the All Lives Matter hashtag when that's they shouldn't. They should be attacking the people who are belittling the all yeah, bla- with the, the black context. lives. You know, and yeah. so even now I feel ashamed to use a hashtag that I meant in a totally right. different way. Mm-hmm. I'm getting treated like I'm one of those people that hates yeah. black people and doesn't want to give them the freedom of whatever. And then I am also an advocate for Native American lives because I, I myself am part also, but I see what they're going through and then the feminist thing as being a woman. But, you know, so I don't ever mean to take away from any individual thing, but now I feel like it's not politically correct for right. me to ever, ever again say all lives matter when I believe that it's true that all lives matter. Mm-hmm. So it's it's so hard now today because everyone's got a voice, everyone's got an opinion, and then somebody says the wrong thing at the wrong time and blasts it for yeah. years on the on TV and on radio. So it's what are we allowed to say now? I just I really really think if this came out today, it wouldn't be as big of a hit, and it would be like definitely ripped to shreds based on the subject matter and based on mm-hmm. what it's trying to do. Even though it's a very important point that we're still dealing with. I mean. The first 24 hours of the president having his Twitter account, he got said the N-word like thousands of times. Dude, read any comments on any article. (laughs) They're all fucking racist. And I, it's like I was reading a, a Marvel uh, uh, preview of the, the comics that are coming out this month. I go check out the little bottom comments. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's with Marvel putting these uh, Hispanic writers? They're ruining our our childhoods and just keep them uh, keep them white characters, keep them men. You don't need to change. It's like seems silly that the ignorant people seem to want comic books, yeah. guys. These are fake <laughs> characters, and they're still like, no, it should be this way because it's always been this way, and it should always be this way. Ghost Rider didn't drive no low rider. <laughs> a motorcycle. <laughs> so, and I do think even on, on on both spectrums of this, and then you also have the groups that are so overly politically correct. Hope yeah. can't say that. Oh, what do you mean by that? Oh, you can't yeah, say exactly, what's that yeah. supposed to mean? All this stuff, and it's like all it's doing. We're not, you know, this movie really pushed boundaries to start a, a very, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a, you know, funny lowbrow humor in it, but 
I feel like at its core, it's wanting people to discuss that stuff and wanting to show just how stupid it is to think that that way. Because it was a big discussion in the 70s when they were making this. It's just sad that that's not still a big discussion or it hasn't been resolved yet. Even with like the Confederate flag stuff, which I was, I mean, I've been very vocal about wanting that down. And you have the comments like, there's so many more important issues to deal with. It's like, okay, well then we'll we'll take them down and then we can deal with those more important issues for you. But that that doesn't lessen how this has affected so many people just because you're at a place where it doesn't affect you because you're white, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, all all these people where it's, it's a symbol of something. Have you seen, there's a documentary that I think MTV put out called white people or something like that. And it's amazing the way that they, they had a bunch of white people that they sat down and they were asking them in a room mixed with other, other races as well. What, what is white privilege to you? And do you see it? And most of them, it's not their fault that they were born in this right. life where they didn't learn about that because 90% of everything in their life is white, and that's that's just their world. Yeah, so. I mean, it's one thing where I feel like th- they get super defensive because, you know, they think, oh, we're being vilified, and it's like, but well, but they no. Haven't but they have outside of that bubble. But yeah, but even that, it's just like regardless of whether or not you feel that you're part of this oppression you shouldn't deny that it exists because that's just stupid well some of them that's the point of this documentary was saying that some of them genuinely don't ever see it they never actually witness it because they're so sheltered they'll see it on tv and they hear people complaining about it and they see that complaining as attacking them because that's all they see. Right. And that's just, I mean, yeah, for, there's even an awesome documentary with comedians um, on Netflix that's called like Women Aren't Funny. And I mean, I grew up, some of my favorite people in sitcoms and comedy and stuff so are women. comedians are women. <laughs> well, but I'm just saying like, so for me, the thought that that's a thing that people believe women aren't funny, that never was a thing. But I'm not going to deny that that's like a huge, just because I didn't experience that and just because I've been influenced by a lot of women, I'm not going to pretend like... That's not something that funny women haven't had to deal with for even recently. I can't remember which. Oh, it was, it was um, Eisner from um, from Disney, like the former CEO. He even came out and was just like, well, the problem, the reason why we haven't had a lot of movies starring women is just there's just really not a lot of funny women out there. It's like Jesus Christ, like this is 2015, mm-hmm. you know. But it's just you, even if you don't personally feel it, you shouldn't deny. And I think I that's, feel like it's a lot better. Men that are in the entertainment industry, you see the melting pot of everything. So you guys have a little bit more of an open mind about. I mean, even guys that read a lot and comics and mm-hmm. games and all that stuff, I think it's a little more obvious some of these problems. But there are so many people that uh, TV, all they do is go home and sit down and veg in front of like right. Honey Boo Boo. And that's their life. They watch reality TV and that's the extent of their exposure to the world. And then Twitter. And I just yeah. think it's so sad. That- so I just wonder if this movie, if it came out, if just that <laughs> over defensive nature would just hurt it. But yeah, I think I'm it's still it's still super relevant to today. I mean, like you guys opened my mind to it. It's this is our presidency. Obama. This is the past <laughs> eight years has been this. Because seriously, yeah, no, what I mean, he's just like let's see his birth certificate. It's like, who, didn't anyone ask for George W. Bush's birth certificate or Clinton's? No. Like, Can we do on. that? Can we make like throw like a meme together of Obama versus Bart like next <laughs> oh to each other God. and just start <laughs> the sharing the timeline? It? And how just it matches do, up. Do what um what you usually do where you have the where you put your picture yeah, into the poster just yeah, Obama's yeah, yeah. Brian we got to do that for the I Waco just, kid really and for Bart we need Obama and Biden say. we might upset a lot of people i'm really curious to see oh, let's if anyone do it can make guys that 
Oh, I love it. <laughs> well, Joe Biden does have the fastest hands in the West. <laughs> All right. So, anything else before we go into plugs? Amazing you know, I, movie. Watch it. Yeah. And please. I think we successfully deconstructed we did American culture currently. We did. So. <laughs> we, did. We, we solved American culture, you guys. We did it. Uh, all right. Let's start with you, Trevor. And keep in mind, this will be released or be available to listen to August 10th, I believe. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, then so. I won't plug my birthday because it'll have already happened. So no need to do that. Um, well, people, people can tweet you um, happy belated birthday. Happy belated birthday. Uh, you can, uh, it's coming out the 10th. You can wish my friend Andrew a birth, uh, happy birthday because it's his birthday. Um, You're just so <laughs> just, Why are you plugging birthdays, Seriously. man? Because it's an important time in anyone's life. <laughs> yeah, people downplay birthdays. I'm thinking, what, this is a celebration of you existing. Why are you downplaying Another your birthday? Another year, Trevor. <laughs> you survived. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Reese Trevor. Um, Reese is spelled with a C and not an S. I'm not a fucking candy. Um, no, um, I have a couple shows this month. Um, I'll probably post on Twitter about those. Uh, and one I know for sure is, um, hopefully at this point we rocked it at the um, LA Comedy Improv Festival. But I'm going to be performing at the Nerdist School August 28th. Uh, it's a Friday at 8 o'clock. So end of the month, Friday, 8 o'clock, I'm performing uh, with my friend Nicole. We have a two-person uh, group, and we invite people um, to join us and do um, Improv 2 music on our iPods. And so, yeah, it should be a really good show, so check that out. Um, and that's it. And always uh, the Trevor Reese Comic Book Podcast only on Cobb every Friday. Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, I have uh, shows every Saturday at 7 from now until October at the DCT uh, iOS on Hollywood Boulevard. Come check me out. Um, show some love. Trevor will buy you drinks. Uh, and check out the Vaguely Nefarious Facebook page. We'll put all of our shows coming up. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's it. Awesome. <laughs> Renee? Uh, my name is Renee Michelle Aranda. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, at R E N M I C A R I A R A Ren Makara. It's my uh, first three letters of my full name. Uh, I'm also on Facebook. I actually just got verified for my blue check mark after awesome. <laughs> my page, so I'm official now. Uh, which really doesn't mean anything except the fact that it's that just means that this is the page that I run. But people see the blue <laughs> check mark legit. and they're like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, exactly." Yeah, That's like one of the now. signs of celebrity, like nowadays, is oh, like gosh. seeing like that blue check mark on, like, on Twitter or Facebook. It's just like I have arrived. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it's a good feeling. It's, it's fun. I mean, it was. It does feel good because they do decide whether or not to give you one. So yeah. that it was a little bit of a like milestone, but baby steps. Um, I now am. I have a new job at a casting company. It's up and coming. It's called Select Casting, Select with a K. We're located in Beverly Hills in the Jeff Rice building if you want to come drop off a headshot. Otherwise, you can send me your info, headshot, real resume to selectcast at gmail.com. Uh, we are casting a couple things. We cast, uh, cast all across the board, features, shorts, music videos, whatever. Um, uh, other than that, I do freelance producing. If you have a project that you want to talk about, you can send that to me at starparkstudios at gmail.com. And other than that, I just hope to see you guys around. I'm happy to be a part of these panels and always interesting things and meeting interesting people. So thanks. Awesome, awesome. And for Ozzy Cobb, you mean, we'll put, I'll put all the descriptions on the description section for the podcast, but our social media for both Instagram and Twitter is at Ozzy Cobb Prod. 
And my personal Twitter is at the Noah Kinsey. So other than that, yeah, it was great. So we will see all of you um, next week for The Wizard of Oz. Ow! Ooh. Ooh. This has been an Ozzy Cobb Media Production. Executive Producers Noah Kinsey and Brian Nicholas. For more information, visit ozzycobb.com. Ozzy